0: Do you want to talk about the National Board of Review? They just released
1: their... Yes. Well, the thing I just posted, um, which is, by the way, I just want to say right off the top that I, have, I personally have no problem and have you know, no argument at all with the idea of them giving their best film of the year uh, prize to Top Gun Maverick. It's, a, it's completely acceptable. Uh, and I, I don't think anybody would argue with it so that's fine it's mm-hmm. one of the least uh, controversial things they've ever done but i do have um and, and you know there's just nothing to argue about it's obviously a hugely popular film and why not make a popular film that has really done a lot for the health of 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 exhibition and i know that most uh you know people in the millennial and and and, and zoomer realm don't care really that much about um about exhibition, and uh, it's basically it's pe- people who are older who feel this way. They want to have it survive, and we all want to decide because there's been some sort of proscenium arch, some sort of mass. You know, an audience sits together and watching something. This goes back to the days of ancient Greek theater, and and we're we're at a point in our. Know, it's just astonishing to think that we're at a point when it, that's going all going to come to an end, or gradually will come to an end, except for elite. Opportunities like theater in New York, and you know where they charge two fifty, three fifty a seat, which means it's only for wealthy people. But for average folks, it's going to go away. And I know, devastated by that.
0: Me too. It's not a
1: possibility; it's a reality right now.
0: Well, it sure is. I mean, I I was I came out of the uh, um, Avatar. First of all, hello, welcome everybody to Oscar Poker. Jeff and I have decided to revive. Bring Back From the Dead, our podcast.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Because to quote my own father, what the hell else we got to do?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's exactly, so, a, that's a good
0: attitude. Yeah, yeah, he always used to say that to me. What the hell else you got to <laughs> do? Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're going to do, we like talking to each other anyway. We talk to each other all the time. So we figure we should record these and maybe right. people would be interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so here we are. So what's here our first, are. first, we did a whole thing. Should we tell them? We did a whole thing <laughs> Yes, yeah, yesterday sure. it was like an hour and a half, and then the file just was completely destroyed somehow. So it's gone. But that's good
1: because that was our well, no, that wasn't it destroyed. You said we, you couldn't hear anything because there was a buzzing. Sound, yes, whatever that means. Okay. Well,
0: it so. was unusable. So either all right. way, um, all right. So what's our first topic of the day? So two things have happened here today, which is that Avatar dropped, and it's you know a culture quake, and everybody loves it. It's great. So that's changing, going to change how we look at movies. Top Gun just won the National Board of Review's Best Film, and uh, they gave out a bunch of other prizes. Uh, a surprising win for All Quiet on the Western Front in Adapted Screenplay. That's good. Where I was expecting that to be um, uh, Women Talking.
1: So I was surprised. You just lost me entirely. I haven't been able to read the actual winners. My understanding is that Top Gun won the best feature film. Mm -hmm. What do you mean? I I thought you were going to say that All Quiet actually won the uh, uh, international award. Well,
0: no, they didn't. Let's see what they did. Let me look at the the winners here. Just give me one second if I can find them. Um, the, uh, The real surprise there was that. Here we go. Okay. Mm hmm. So Best Film, Top Gun, Director Steven Spielberg, The Fableman's Best Actor, Colin Farrell, Banshees, Best Actress, Michelle Yeoh, mm-hmm. uh, Supporting is Brendan Gleeson, The Banshees, Best Supporting Actress is Janelle Monet. Glass Onion, I thought she was very good. That's ridiculous. Good. Oh, you do? I actually thought she was good, but she's
1: more of a lead role. Um, you think that she was a lead role? I mean, she's just basically the good girl who you know right away is, is going to... Uh, uncover evil or bring revenge or you know she's not It's not. she's a very funny
0: though I, no, I think she's funny because she plays two different types of people oh
1: like, that's ridiculous I that thought it was funny, funny. I liked it that's she just was like a gimmick they just thought it up you know like mm. Robert De Niro's playing two significant older gangsters in a forthcoming Barry Levinson film called Wise Guys oh. uh, that, that just started shooting actually a day or two ago
0: all right. So, original screenplay: Martin McDonough, Banshees. Adapted: Edward Berger, Leslie Peterson, Patterson, mm-hmm. Ian Stock, Ian Stockell, All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean, that's surprising. Well, that's good. Um, that's such a great movie. That
1: mm-hmm. and
0: break, and then we'll, so we'll skip all the. Okay, so directorial debut: Charlotte Wells, After Sun, animated feature: uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. International mm-hmm. film was close. It won international film even though the other one won screenplay. It's interesting.
1: Women um, be be clear. What won the International Film Award? I'm close. Sorry. Close. Oh, wonderful. Great. I didn't know that. Close. I didn't know that. That that was my I think that might have been my absolute favorite film uh of Cannes last May. And I'm really delighted to hear that. It's yeah. very good. Very good.
0: Close okay. one and um uh, but, but All Quiet won the uh, screenplay, screenplay, which is very odd. Um,
1: Adapted because it's based on the uh, Eric Maria remark. But that's stuff. like a,
0: them saying we're giving special distinction to this movie for them to give them that award. That's a, a very prestigious award. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. prestigious in that it's it's a major award. And I think it would have gone to it's expected to go to women talking, I think. Um so uh cinematography
1: why, why was it expected in whose head was it in in
0: all of the pundits heads like sarah polley's going to win for something she's going to win director or screenplay or both so here's cinematography uh top gun wins cinematography mm-hmm. um the nbr freedom of expression award went to all the beauty and bloodshed in argentina 1985 i think now argentina 1985 is an exceptionally good film you would love it if you haven't seen it um, so here's their top 10 films of the year. After Sun, Avatar, mm-hmm. The Banshees, mm-hmm. Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, Glass Onion, RRR, Till, The Woman King, and Women Talking. And then their okay. five uh, international films. Now, Close isn't going to be on here because it won. So they're giving five additional prizes, which is All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina, 1985, Decision to leave E. O. and Saint Omer, and then their documentaries. Have you
1: seen E. O.? Have you ever seen? Uh, uh,
0: you know how I am about animals. I, I don't know if I can watch that movie.
1: Um, that means you have never seen Hazad Basra, the um, the classic, French the original
0: film. one. It's based on. No, haven't. But all right. So here's documentaries: All the Beauty and Bloodshed, All That Breathes, Descendant. Turn Mm -hmm. Every Page, and Wildcat. And then they give out top ten independent films, and it's Armageddon Time, Mm -hmm. Emily the Criminal, The Eternal Daughter, Funny Pages, The Inspection, Living, A Love Song, Nanny, The Wonder, and To Leslie.
1: You know that every year, and have you spotted anything in the way of a significant snub? by the National Board of Review, Review. because I, um, did you, did TAR do anything?
0: Oh, God. TAR's not on here at all. Okay. Oh, I just noticed that. That's a big snub. Yeah. It's not on here. Okay. I thought that they were going to, they always miss one big one, but I thought it was going to, personally thought it was going to be everything, everywhere, all at once. But TAR is, is not on here at all. You're right. Not a single mention of it.
1: No mention of Kate. Nothing.
0: Nothing. That's wild. Okay. Okay. Oh gosh, you just reminded me. I didn't even. I didn't even see that. Mm.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, I don't know what that means. That means it's that uh, are they have they ever been a bill? And
0: put it this way the um, the only movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very rare to win Best Picture and not be on this list, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. Like The Shape of Water wasn't on this list mm-hmm. in 2017. So it does happen, but it's rare.
1: You're aware, obviously, that the National Board of Review, uh, which I, by the way, when I was a contributor uh, for free to Films in Review magazine in 1981 and 80, around there, 79 is 80, 81, I actually attended that as a kind of, uh, I guess I wasn't a presenter, but I was sort of standing around and being the... uh, you know, I don't know. I was I was kind of a token uh, uh, presenter or, or an assistant or something. And uh, but, but they, that organization has been made fun of consistently yeah. for many, many years. But you feel with all respect to them that it is in some way, uh, at least it's a re- reasonably sensible um, body that chooses re- makes decent choices, uh, don't you think?
0: Well, I'll I mean, tell that's... you, the, they have been around for a very, very long time. Um since the 30s or you know, earlier than that maybe, as long as the um mm. the uh New York film critics have been around at least as long. Um the thing about them is they have, you know, despite what people say and people say a lot of bad things about them. They've had a lot of bad, bad press over the years. It has never made a difference as far as I could tell. They having the stamp of National Board of Review on your ad always looks mm-hmm. prestigious. Mm-hmm. Nobody looks at that and thinks, oh, they're a scam organization. They have a brand. And it's always been a good brand, a quality brand. So that's all that really matters to me because that's what, how you drive the Oscar race and politics and everything else. Like it's all about right. perception. If it has a sheen on it, people are pay more attention to it. It doesn't always m- manifest like that movie that won... Um, I forget what it's called. It has Oscar Isaac and uh, Jessica Chastain. Remember that movie? Um, yeah, uh, A
1: Very, ba- very Good yeah, Year. Yeah, that
0: won that. Best Picture, and it was completely ignored by the Oscars. So it's not like they always have influence. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but it is a good thing to have on your ad. That's yeah. what it does. It gives you something to put on your ad because it sounds respectable and prestigious, mm-hmm. the National Board of Review.
1: I actually take them more seriously because they're not as eccentric Right as a, as a New York film critics, exactly. I think those guys are are awful these days. And Not entirely, because I completely respect the award that they gave to Colin Farrell for, for best like, actor, like
0: but, the Golden Globes. So they're a little more, uh, mm-hmm. they're a little more moderate in the Academy's direction, mm-hmm. you know, and so. You know, the more the Academy leans in the direction of the National Board of Review and the Golden Globes, the better off they're going to be. If they lean in the direction of the New York film critics or the L.A. film critics or something, Mm. they're going to be just too obscure for (laughs) for the American public. Uh,
1: The American public doesn't give a shit about these critics organizations in the first place. They don't give a shit about the gold derby people. There are a good number of. Uh, middle aged uh women um, who know their stuff who care a lot and are predicting uh some sort of award success for women talking for instance like on gold derby uh Susan King and Ann Thompson and Susan Vlashinya and uh who else? Uh, is it Jazz? Is she one of the people? Uh Thelma Adams Oh, yeah she Thelma Adams has it in fourth place. Um uh, so but it's, it's, it doesn't have a prayer. It's a completely, you know, there's a syndrome that we're all familiar with uh, that, you know, critics are completely living on the planet Uranus, on the planet Pluto. They do not have their feet on the same terra firma that, you know, average folks, anybody having even even, you know, serious film buffs, but people who are not in that clique or that club and they just don't know. Nobody gives a damn about these people. Well,
0: that's true, no but offense. but uh, women talking has uh, when we saw it in Telluride, a lot of people loved it. Like it was, it wasn't like women talking isn't going to be a favorite of the film critics. It's it's too mainstream for them. <laughs> and,
1: and, I, and I'll repeat the story that I told you during Telluride, and I um, I'm just saying, no other film that played at Telluride uh, solicited uh, or, or resulted in two people that I did not know just in casual conversation saying to me, or again, not me soliciting this opinion. They just said it. Uh, one, a, a sort of middle-aged couple who had just come away from it on the walk back over to the park, and another, uh, an elegant, uh, wealthy, white-haired gentleman when we were standing outside the Sheridan Opera House. They both said to me they hated women talking. They didn't say, you know, it wasn't their cup of tea. They hated it. Now, yeah. what does that tell you?
0: Well, I, I don't know because that's anecdotal and uh you don't
1: know what it means when people say they hate something. Well I could solicited? find people
0: that hate every single movie that's you know, like yeah, uh but these,
1: are not, these are not crazy people. They're moderately, you know, well dressed, sensible, well educated people that just said that because they felt so strongly about it. I I obviously that means it when you have that level of vitriol uh Aimed at a film, it's not going to become a a consensus award winner. I mean, people in the in the narrow little club of film critics and the Gold Derby might think that, but it means nothing. It has these people mean nothing. They're just
0: the thing about the Oscars is that you have to figure out what movie. We talked about this before, so everything we're saying is going to sound like we're repeating ourselves. But we already talked about it in a conversation that was lost. So, but we'll Mm -hmm. just try to recreate what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but basically, that you know, the Oscar Best Picture winner is the movie that with the with the ranked choice ballot, which is they should Mm -hmm. get rid of. Hundred percent, get rid of it. Movies are dying. Movies are dead. You don't need ten Best Picture slots. Just bring it down to five and have a regular. Majority vote for Best Picture, and the Oscars will come back. If they don't do that, they're always going to be like a you know a little winner, a little movie that could. Um, they're never. I think you have a
1: completely sensible, correct opinion. Bring it down to five. You're bring it down to five. Right. They, Just forget the uh, preferential ballot. Yeah, because Just, it never
0: worked the way they wanted it to work. They wanted it to bring in more genre movies, and never did that. It was always mm-hmm. these. Um, maybe this year it will, but you know, we had Drive My Car last year. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. we didn't need that extra slot for Best Picture. I mean, I like the critics like it and stuff, but I think if they want to save themselves, the Academy, you know, they're having money troubles. If they want to save themselves, they should make the Oscars exciting again. And the way you do that is you have a five-picture race and you have everybody majority vote to win. That's exciting. This weird kind of strange way that they do Best Picture mutes I think the excitement of the winner it mutes it because it's always this other kind of way that people have to put their number one and two and then maybe it's mm. their number seven and you know mm. it it really should just be their number one movie that wins and that's it and no more you know <clears throat> messing around but um but anyway be that as it may we're still stuck in this particular thing so that I means- love.
1: by the way you mentioned that the academy is having money troubles I was so heart melted uh so elated when i heard that they were not getting the uh, attendance at the academy museum that they uh, obviously want uh that's true isn't it didn't you report that to me
0: i think that's what it said you know we're we're living in such a strange time of the emperor's new clothes everywhere like um you know you can't find your site and uh, a few other sites you can sort of find people who are willing to brave the truth but but media won't mainstream media won't talk about it they'll talk about everything else but the one thing it's like Mm -hmm. like the purple elephant standing in the middle of the room and everybody's like yeah this is an interesting party Mm -hmm. yeah isn't it (laughs) so much fun i you know having Mm -hmm. a good time and nobody's like there's a giant purple elephant Mm -hmm. standing Mm -hmm. in the middle of the room so uh the academy nobody will tell them so they only get good press and praise for what they've done. Nobody will be direct and say, what did you just do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you What did you just do? Mm-hmm. But um, and, and in some sense, there's no turning back anyway from all that. Um, woke stuff is what we're talking about, by the way, in case you mm-hmm. haven't picked it up. They basically turned their museum, as Jeff said, into one long apology for their entire existence.
1: Right. Woke well, house.
0: Yep. And what that means is you go to see a beautiful picture of North by Northwest. You're walking in with your family. You flew in from Ohio. You know, you saved up all this money. I can't wait to go to the Academy Museum. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk in, you see this North by Northwest thing, and then wah, wah. <laughs> there's,
1: there's this, like, paragraph about, and then the, you know. Well, come on, be specific. <laughs> what it says is it's bad that Alfred Hitchcock used. Mount Rushmore because he basically used a site based upon evil and and ignorance of the of the you know the rights of the tribes that live there and so we're let's sit here and feel shame
0: let's all feel shame let's sit here and feel shame about this oh isn't that a shame that they did that yeah I mean they made it like the Holocaust Museum
1: it really was it was like (laughs) you know we're this is really bad (laughs) Yes, we love <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock's character, but look what they did, those people. My God.
0: Aren't they horrible? Yeah. And so that's made it impossible to... I'll never forget the day that I went. I went on a press preview, and this guy was walking around the museum with his phone to his ear, and he was like, "They just, it's all gone. It's all gone. There's no Warner Brothers. There's no Louis B. Mayer. There's no, you know... Um, but I think they're trying, going to try to... Right. See, they're they're, they're totally balls to the wall, these people, like they are being held hostage Mm -hmm. by activists who demand this kind of depiction because of the donors of the museum are people who value their own image more than anything else. And so Mm -hmm. the museum has to reflect that. They care about what they look like, how they come off, and they don't want to be like, you know, white supremacists. Right. So, but yeah. it did.
1: Uh, what about being um, uh, a culture that at least understands and appreciates the fact that this, that Hollywood was built by Jewish entrepreneurs, uh, and businessmen from largely a Jewish community. And that's the uh, they were the founders. I mean, there was a significant book written about it, as you know, you know, you know uh, an industry of their own and Neil.
0: They don't understand their role in culture, in history. Their role isn't to be activist leaders, social justice warriors, their role isn't to school and educate people on all the terrible things white people have done. Their role is to celebrate something that Americans, all of us, are proud of. And and the only value of that museum is for people who love the American history in movies and to go and see The Godfather on the wall, you know? And Yeah, right. Titanic By the way, and, you would know. you
1: mind passing along to the people who are listening to this that they're a, you had a head-banging argument with a certain person who is telling you that the, the whole concept of woke is completely imaginary and in your head? Let's just, just name everybody. That's folks.
0: everybody on film Twitter. That's basically how you <laughs> mm-hmm. get into that struggle session where everybody outside of the little group, all these people, they have their own images to you know, to manage their own platforms. So they don't want to be known as a bad person or a racist, but this particular person, he's already (laughs) thought of that way. He's already been discarded. (laughs) He's completely discarded. He's like, we don't care about what you think. You have no. but, but at the same time, he's still trying to be in that, be acceptable into the circle, you know, of like, yes, you are an acceptable person and you use all the right terminology and you're, you know, But anyway, he was in denial about the fact that the movies, people are turned off now. And any person in America, if you said to them, why don't you watch these movies anymore? Why don't you watch the Oscars? They'll all say exactly the same thing. They'll say they're too political. They became too woke. Yeah. Everybody will say that. It doesn't matter if they're white or black or whatever. They'll all say the same thing. The only people who don't say that are people inside, people who work in the industry, Because Mm -hmm. they're too afraid to say. That's
1: exactly how it is. The book that I was trying to think of that um it's called The An Empire of Their Own, How the Jews Invented Hollywood. And it was written by Neil Gabler and it was published in 89. It's pretty long time ago. And it's part of the legend and, and, and accepted legend of, of Hollywood. And the Academy Museum completely ignored it. And they had to be kind of pressured or lobbied because they only after some months of people saying, what happened to to the Jews who founded this. There's no mention of this. Well, uh, here's the said, uh, okay, all right. We'll do a Jew, we'll do a Jewish wing or we'll do a Jewish exhibit if you guys insist. I mean, the main thrust of the Academy Museum is and should be about how Hollywood has been bad, has been cruel to uh, to people well, of color, to to Native Americans. But That's it's still, it's, I mean,
0: the, the line I keep coming back to, and I, I really love, you know, I have a high admiration for the Academy. The people who run it, I think, are really good people and nice people. They have good intentions. I'm not going to say that they don't. But let's just say that it's still the flea circus. It's like that line in... Um, Jurassic Park, where he's talking about the dinosaurs being, you know, that he he, he had a flea circus, and then he wanted to make a, a dinosaur park and bring them back. And she says it's still the flea circus. Like mm-hmm. the the what they're doing now is exactly what they did back then, because everybody knows that the Jews might have ran. I'm half Jewish, by the way, so I can say this without sounding anti-Semitic. But um, the Jews ran Hollywood, but they hid the Jews. The Jews weren't in the movies. They weren't the movie stars. They were completely invisible people, and so now it's still the flea circus because Hollywood's still run by white people. <laughs> it's okay. just that they're hiding it. They're hiding it. They're mm-hmm. pretending that they aren't. They're saying, "Look, aren't we so multicultural and diverse and inclusive?" No, not really. You're not. But um, but but okay, we'll play along.
1: <laughs> they're not. They 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 have put a rule in that as of night as of twenty twenty four, you can't. Um, being considered for an Oscar unless you've had X number. No, I
0: get it. But I'm just saying it's still the Flea Circus because if you line up everybody who's running Hollywood, you're going to see one color. (laughs) I'm just saying. Uh, But, you know, I think that – so I think what they're doing. So is...
1: what are you saying? You're saying that they should just put in people of color or people who are Native Americans or. No, I'm saying it's still the flea circus. It's
0: still the flea circus. I'm saying that they're they're still pretending. They're still pretending to be something that they're not. And the thing is, is I understand and appreciate their efforts, and I don't. I think their efforts are good in terms of you know making sure that that people aren't being marginalized or left behind or not included, but to pretend otherwise. Is where I have a problem. The pretending, because I feel like they're using people of color as shields and it bothers me. Like, not, oh, sure. right. you know, like here, I'm just going to put this person of color in front of me mm-hmm. so that you won't see me and my power. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'm going to pretend like that's who we are. We're going to put up this image of ourselves, that right. this is what right. we actually are. But it's not what you are.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: people living in Malibu, that is not who you are. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying, like, yeah. it is still the flea circus. I, I think that once they start understanding the, the numbers, you know, how many people in this country are still a white majority, but even, you know, the people who are who, who's watching the Oscars, you know, who, who's buying tickets to the movies, you know, and what do they want to see? Well, they like the same kind of movies everybody else likes, you know, good movies that are based in, in authentic storytelling, They don't have to, you know.
1: Most of the people out there, not just Zoomers and Millennials, but most of the people out there, have come to the conclusion that they're not really interested in good stories and good movies the way they were. In the days of Goodwill Hunting, which I recently saw, which you know, up until roughly fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, somewhere in there, is where it all started to to change. Mm-hmm. And I don't think um, I don't think you put the toothpaste back in the tube. I, I wish that we could, but I don't think it gets fixed. And uh, most people have written it off. And uh, I
0: agree. I don't <laughs> think that you do either, because it's 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 the uh, we, we're in a situation of a of, of a red scare kind of thing where
1: yeah.
0: mm-hmm. it, that lasted a long time. In Hollywood, and I think that it's ten years as a combination of the Hayes Code and the blacklist it's this paranoid mm-hmm. time we're living through where people just can't accept each other. everybody's accusing each other all the time of everything and trying to out thought criminals. you know what did they say that was bad? Who is that bad person oh, mm-hmm. you know and and when you you can't live like that, you can't survive that way.
1: I think that the uh, insanity out there is um Manifested also in the uh, absolute uh, belief in, in the system that all people of any ethnicity other than white have a certain hallowed, graceful, uh, right. blessed quality to them, uh, which is the reverse being obviously that middle-aged, uh, older people of of the Anglo-Saxon extraction they have something kind of fundamentally wrong about that they've been exploiting and treating people very unfairly and very cruelly i'm not being ironic or or, or smart it's true they have but in order to correct that uh everybody's um just kind of doesn't want to have see white people uh on any um uh, list of best of anything and yeah. as you as you know that's how it's been for some years
0: well the the national board of review just said screw it <laughs> <laughs> just put up their, put up their middle finger. Garden, you mean? And Steven Spielberg and director, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't tend to pander the same way that other critics groups do. And speaking of pandering, we do have to get to the sight and sound poll. But before we do, let's just talk about Goodwill Hunting for a minute. And how. we were talking last time, last time that people didn't hear because it doesn't exist anymore. But we were talking about. I was talking about how the free market is a much better arbiter than these micromanaging activists behind the scenes. What they're trying to do is they're trying to teach you how to think differently. They want you to, they want to fix you. They want to fix you the way that they fixed themselves for the last Mm -hmm. 20 20 years in self-help, with medication, with, you know, finding your bliss and yoga and fasting and all that Mm -hmm. psychology. And they want to fix the rest of America that isn't like that, that doesn't think Mm -hmm. the way they do. So all of the movies come out and, and, and there are few that don't thank goodness for those, because those are fun to watch still, but most of them are about this is how you need to think better because there's something wrong with you mm-hmm. and I, I think people just don't like that. I think that they and so if you leave it up to the free market, the free market will simply tell you what people want to watch. Um, it doesn't mean they're always going to just pick movies with white people in them. It doesn't mean that. It just means that they're going to pick movies that they find a real, authentic uh, story. So anyway, back in the it, Goodwill Hunting days, that was the that was still the free market, you know.
1: Yeah, right. And it was hard to make that film uh, play as well as it did. It had a it involved a lot of writing, rewriting. Uh, it's the official line is that no one else other than Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Uh, wrote that script i don't really believe that <laughs> but that's okay no you tell know, this it, come
0: on tell the story i want to hear the story i love that story tell it again
1: that's something that i told you privately
0: well you know William goldman
1: <laughs> oh well that's not a that was the uh a very uh popular uh, theory and and i heard it uh a lot and so I finally, in my Entertainment Weekly days, got on uh, the phone with Bill Goldman. I said, "Bill, I've heard that you were kind of, uh, you know, in a in a kind of a subtle, uh, quiet way, uh, nobody talking about it, became a sort of script doctored Goodwill Hunting to a certain extent, and I don't say rewritten or or made it into a Bill Goldman thing, but you know, you you gave it a punch up." And and he said, no, (laughs) that's not what happened. But he did get on the phone right away to his agent and to people in the community to Harvey. I just got a call from Jeff and he has said this. And if he's saying this, then I you know that other people are going to be Mm -hmm. saying it. I just want you to know this is going to be out there now. I don't know what the truth of it is, but I I know that he there was some alarm when I when I called him about this, which was sometime in ninety seven. Right. Actually, no. Wait, but that wasn't my um, Entertainment Weekly days. I was writing for the L.A. Times Syndicate, and I had not begun my very first um, online column, which began in '98. So yeah, it was '97. So anyway, that was what happened. Well, and it was it was bandied around. Everybody's talking about it, or presuming there is something to it.
0: Well, the reason is because that's the kind of thing that can derail an Oscar win if it's for if it becomes replay, a big, yeah if it becomes a big enough story if there's some competing studio that um you know that that wants to win that award they could say oh remember when um Catherine Catherine Bigelow uh the mm-hmm. the, the the rumor was that she didn't really direct the Hurt Locker that
1: um Who said
0: that? It was just one of the rumors that was going around at the time. But 1997 was Titanic anyway, so it didn't really matter because um, Mm -hmm. Titanic was going to win everything. So,
1: but it didn't. It didn't win the best original screenplay. Nope, sure didn't. So that was that was Ben and Matt. That was one of the best moments of that show. They were so elated and they were so jazzed up and energized. They were talking about everybody that, that they wanted to thank, including Harvey Weinstein. And oh, yeah. Everybody just loved the whole moment. That was one of the the best of the of the night, really. And and, uh,
0: and that's that's the thing is that uh, oh, we should add that Titanic wasn't actually nominated. But so the other nominees were Boogie Nights, The Full Monty, As Good as It Gets,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Deconstructing Harry. Back when Woody Allen wasn't a pariah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of Woody Allen, I mean, you know, we could talk endlessly about everything, but the Sight and Sound poll has totally zotzed. Woody Allen from it, its entire lineup.
1: Yeah, no more Manhattan and no more Annie Hall. So that's that's out as far as that. But this is a progressive takeover of the whole process. And here's what Armin White said about this in a piece that uh, posted on the seventh, which was yesterday. Is today the eighth? I can't. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he says. Quote, and his, he's an eccentric fellow who's known as Harman Armin. But he did say that the film loving tradition of Britain's Sight and Sound magazine, which goes and, and this poll goes back to 1952 every ten years, he says that tradition is now over <laughs> by by announcing the decennial poll's latest results. Jean Dailman uh, t- tops the list now, as Vertigo did in 2012. Sight and Sound has ruined its trustworthiness and is no longer a reliable consensus as the poll has fragmented film culture into political sex. That's an absolutely mm. accurate. And, and, and you still have people saying, wait a minute, I don't know about this. Who yeah. knows if they gained it or not? You know, it obviously it became a political thing deliberately on purpose. And, uh, but you know, there's, there's not much more to say about it. Everybody's all, all, you know, sort of been huffing and puffing about it for the last several days. But, well, you
0: know. it, it, it reflects the times we're living in so perfectly, right? Because, mm. Nothing reflects it more than that. Like 10 years, 20 years from now, you look back at that and you go, oh, yeah, okay. That was what Mm. that was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You'll Mm -hmm. know immediately what it was. I mean, it's humans are weird, like, like trends, you know, they they spread through human beings like a virus, really. And um, everybody wants in on it. Everybody wants the pat on the back. Aren't we so great? Mm -hmm. We we smashed the patriarchy. We have now proved that all along, women Mm. were actually the better filmmakers. Who knew?
1: (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, it's well, just... listen, obviously she I, I respect that film a lot. I, I, you know, I had not really remembered it all that well. So as soon as it won, I called it up on the Criterion channel and I honestly didn't watch it all the way through because it's so boring and repetitive. But that's the point of the film. It's supposed to be boring and repetitive because you're supposed to uh, feel the kind of quietly going mad uh, mentality of, of the lead character. Uh played by Delphine Salig. Uh so you know, it's a respectable film. I'm not trying I don't think we should give the impression that it's that it's
0: No, no, not, it's not a not bad movie. Different. It's just right. not worthy of the greatest film of all time. But right. what it does is it reflects the changing face of film critic film it's not film criticism anymore. It's it's film it's it's, it's activism disguised as film criticism Mm -hmm. and it's, it's a, it's, it's weird. It's weird, but it's, it's a change. It's a move through time uh, that is offensive to a lot of people, but haven't they always been right? Like when I think back on, um, you know, as we go through the, the canon of, of films, our best picture of anything like that. And you look at Hollywood before the Cahiers du Cinema came in and changed film criticism, right? When Mm -hmm. they, and they finally saw Alfred Hitchcock as like an artistic genius, which he is mm. and and they sort of re- they changed how people t- talked about film, how they saw film back when the left was actually cool. it was a counterculture how <laughs> when they're like puritans mm. but um but back then, you know the idea was to break free from convention to break free from the the oppressiveness of of christianity, mm-hmm. which at that time. Was like wokeness. It was in everything. Like if you think about, it's a wonderful life. He prays to God. You know, the the religion was so much so ubiquitous in American film. It it really was the way their moral their moral compass. Um, and then that changed in the when they broke free from that in the nineteen fifties and sixties as culture exploded outward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the French critics came in and they just kind of changed the way everybody looked at film and talked about film. And so you and I are used to that. We're used to mm-hmm. that sensibility, but now what you have is a reversal to go back to the God days, except for it's not God anymore. The religion is <laughs> <laughs> the religion is, is this wokeism, right? Mm-hmm. They have the answer, mm-hmm. and they want to spread the word. They have caught the rapture, mm-hmm. and they want to bring everyone into it. They want everybody to believe what they believe because they've solved all the problems of humanity now. Just one last thing. If you look at vertigo and you look at... Citizen Kane both of these movies are critical of their protagonists that's what's so genius about them and that's why they got better over time that message resonated with all of us because it was so interesting to watch these complex characters mm. who were like undone by their own mistakes or their own vanity or whatever it was this other movie is not that this other movie is outward criticism it's of you know it's about criticizing the system, the oppressive people, the men, the patriarchy. It's not about criticizing. If if it was about criticizing the female, I would like it more, you know, but, yeah. but, but yeah, I, yeah, I'm not Sharon
1: interested. Badman, the, the character played by Delphine Seyrig is basically trapped in this world that she, she, she's devoted to her dull, witless son. And yet she's kind of going crazy, sitting there, standing there day after day, week after week, preparing food for him. Going shopping, living on a limited budget, it, it drives her mad and, it, yeah. and that's what happens at the end
0: right and that's that's the story of first wave feminism right. and it's um it's interesting that someone would have come up with that when when she did and and that makes it a very important film.
1: Mm-hmm. Is it
0: the greatest film of all time and the, and the thing that bugs me about this conversation is that as a woman. Way back when when I was young and I wanted to be a filmmaker or a writer or whatever it was mm-hmm. before my life was completely destroyed. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I never thought I would I would like to be a woman so that one day people would say, okay, she's a woman. So that means I have to boost her up a couple of notches and pretend that she's better than she is because otherwise we don't have an equal society. I always thought I want to be as good as Woody Allen. I want to be as good as Martin Scorsese and I want everybody to say she's as good as them. And you walk out of a movie like like Avatar Mm -hmm. and you just look at the mastery of the filmmaking there and the directing and the action. You
1: mean the, the one you just saw, which Yeah, Avatar 2, the... the Way of Water. You know?
0: Yeah. And I mean, I you know, that's what I talk about, like, with The Emperor's New Clothes. It's like, okay, so that's the high bar, right? And that's what you want to be as good as. And if you're not as good as that, don't pretend that you are. Don't pretend that they are, just to make yourself feel better. Like, don't do that. That's patronizing. That's bad for for women, for artists. They have to be able to compete. Like we were talking about Goodwill Hunting, that was good because he was competing against other great filmmakers, yeah. and so the bar just kept getting lifted. You know, uh, if you if you take it down and you say the great isn't great, it's just the patriarchy, then where does that take us?
1: Let's go to Avatar quickly because uh, the discussion we had yesterday was I f- sensed immediately from the reactions because they're quite euphoric. Uh, there's one person who has told me that. It's dazzling for for him, but the fact is that it's a thin movie if you, you know, just regard it in terms of its basic elements. And that was not impressive as far as he was concerned. Mm-hmm. But it's dazzling to watch, uh, as the first one was. So Yeah,
0: um, it, that reminds me of um, Amadeus, you know, Too Many Notes, because it's like... <laughs> that's funny you know you're you're talking about mozart okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean i'm just saying like it's (laughs) that's funny you know you can come out of it and you can say that sure why not but then you're just sort of ignoring well
1: what he was saying there are too few notes it's a very thin thinly written thing when you boil it down
0: i know but compared to the stuff jim cameron has written in the past Mm -hmm. i mean it's actually he has screenwriters with him on this it's not just him alone Okay. So that makes the writing better than usual.
1: Oh, that's good. That's um, good to hear.
0: It's not a, no, it's, I mean, I don't know how, what kind of complexity he's looking for here. <laughs> it's pretty basic, right? It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Jim Cameron loves and cares about the ocean mm-hmm. natural world. And he wants to make a movie that everybody on this planet is going to see. And then if they're going to see it, he wants to make sure that they understand Mm -hmm. the beauty of whales for instance or you know what what whaling does to whales and and
1: but it's not really whales you said it's some avatar creature that reminded you of a whale
0: but it acts like a whale might as well be a whale it doesn't look you know i mean it's that is what the story is and and i sat next to a guy who's a film critic um Mm -hmm. and when it was over he he said oh that's a really good family family
1: (laughs) that's a put down
0: yeah. it's a put down. It's a put down for a certain kind of person who um uh is looking for more from movies than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know, there's a reason why superhero movies have become so dark. Uh,
1: because they want to satisfy that that guy sitting next to you yes, yesterday. Yes. My
0: friend. <laughs> yes, they want to satisfy that and they don't want to seem childlike because they're they're, they're, they're now they're made for grown men, which is mm-hmm. you know, and so they want them to be but Avatar is made really for everybody. Anybody in any country can watch this movie. That's why it's going to make a ton of money.
1: That's also why it seems to me that people are going to want to vote for it because it's a, uh, a more of a universally themed film. It's yeah. not just about we're number one, the military, the U.S. military, yeah, the, which uh, and the and the uh, you know and Maverick and and what everything it's saying. And it's going to really be a revitalizing movie, at least while it's playing and I would think that if you want to celebrate something and give it an award why not? Why would they not want But he to and he does
0: it without without just like with Top Gun Maverick both of these movies they might have some sort of message in them but they're also not woke quote unquote woke yeah. what I mean is they don't mm-hmm. like deviate from the main story to tell some other story about, you know, a trans character or racism or something. They just stick to what they're supposed to be and, you know, in Avatar, men are allowed to be men. <laughs> women are allowed to be women. You know, there's no, like, the women replacing the men. Um, Let, so Let's
1: all get but, down on our knees and thank, worship Jim Cameron for not putting a trans character into no. Avatar 2, because I think that's wonderful. That I was waiting
0: choose. for it. I thought there was going to be one. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, but, but then you have to, you're, you're crossing species already. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, um it's a, it's a i think just a beautiful film but but more than even its beauty and its deeper meaning is just the the dazzling i mean that's the word dazzling the pure expertise of this gifted film director mm-hmm. who is mm-hmm. just absolutely at the top of his game mm-hmm. which is hard to believe
1: so you you earlier today posted a piece that gave full respect to avatar 2 as a uh, probably going to be best picture nominated, but you also are holding to your earlier um, prediction, intuitive, intuitive as it may be, that that, we, that women talking an absolutely anti cinematic talk fest set in a barn over in the in the dark hours uh a film that did not uh, connect in, in tell your right there was some of the people i talked to and which our, our colleague scott feinberg said i don't think it's going to do that well when you know most academy people see it and they realize what it is particularly the older guys so are you, are you still stuck Saying that's a, a no, I don't. Pretender. I don't
0: think we have a strong winner. I'm, all I'm saying is your mission, should you choose to accept it, is mm-hmm. simply this. Figure out the movie that is going to unite specifically actors around a collective sense of purpose, because that's what they're voting on now. We saw them pick Coda last year, which was a movie mm-hmm. with three nominations that hardly anybody saw because mm-hmm. it was the first predominantly deaf cast to win. And then we saw mm-hmm. Nomadland win, and that only won because they wanted to put, you know, a woman of color as the winner, best yep. picture, best director. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, Parasite, I'm totally deserving, but it was also pushed by them. A, to, a filmmaker you
1: know, of color from South Korea, yeah. of
0: the first international feature foreign language film to win. So mm-hmm. you have to find out what what's it, you know we talked about it last time is the Green Book apocalypse, which that. Mm-hmm. You know, that totally upended them and their sense of themselves. And so ever since then, they've been trying to atone for their mm, sins. Mm. <laughs> for their sins.
1: So, I, not, a, they don't have anything to tell because they were against it. What they're trying to do is have their revenge and make sure that nobody thinks about giving a film a completely harmless uh, likable uh, you know film that really has a lot of uh, of of, of, of gent- gentle feeling and 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 love at the end particularly the christmas moment you know there's nothing wrong with that film it's fine but they they hated it and and these people are i think are you know they they are truly the the freaks of our time they're diseased people and I and I really don't want to see. I want to, if I could bring about their ruin and and their ruination, I would do it. If I were you know a magician, if I were a wizard, if I could, I think I think they are really the ugliest people on the on the in the film community right now. Are are critics like this? They if really are.
0: Who are just out there to tear down and to accuse people. And, yeah, um, and, and
1: and to make sure that people go along with the with the uh, theological program that they're invested in it's just ridiculous
0: and then what like i, I you know that's what i don't understand about them is like and then what you know when is it ever enough like when is it enough when are you satisfied
1: you say, okay. I, I, they're sad, people will be satisfied when they I get sick of them to the point that i am sick of them and you just say the hell with it and that's what happened with the you know, with the, um, you know, no hiring of people who had communist uh, affiliations right. in the 1930s, that whole thing. The whole Red Scare thing, which began really in the late 40s, but really got going big time in 1950. And it wasn't really ended until 60 with uh, Dalton Trumbo's name being used on both Exodus and Spartacus. And then it finally ended, you know, just like that. And it, But it took 10 years.
0: Yeah. And, and the problem is, is people are so, those kind of people that looked like Ed Harris and, and Amy Madigan, who refused to stand for Elia Kazan when he was honored at the, because of he named names, apparently, or something. Um, those people, they're not standing up now and saying, this is this is terrible what's happened to our industry and how yeah. we're accusing everybody just, you know, by virtue of their gender and their skin color, that they're these bad people um, who can't have awards. Like, and then they expect to survive it. They can't. So...
1: Anyway, it's the natural uh, inclination of most people is to try and you know protect themselves and not get, um, uh, you not know, put themselves in the line of fire. Keep right. their head down, and that's what people have been doing for. Well,
0: seven. that's it. And then you realize that when you live through it, and you watch people go along with it. You're like, oh, okay. So that's how that went, because people really do feel like, you know, that they're scared and they're worried about standing apart and they don't want to lose everything. I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, we're we're kind of outsiders, but anyway, back to women talking just basically is that Mm -hmm. that's the only one right now that I can see gaining a a movement because of the Harvey Weinstein trials that's happening right now.
1: And hasn't that been, hasn't that enough in and of itself that, that, that Harvey and just about how many people have been, uh, basically told that that kind of behavior is absolutely unacceptable. (laughs) and uh you, yeah, but it's know.
0: it's more than that because it's the roe v Wade being overturned, like you keep pointing out, even though women talking is not a pro abortion in fact it's it's the opposite yeah it's a pro life movie because she says um she wants to keep her baby even after being raped, but I still sense that there's this camaraderie happening, this groundswell uh for women that that this movie
1: from so talking to people in your little clique, right? No, not
0: again. my clique, just in general. I'm I'm all I'm doing is predicting the future. Like I'm predicting what might happen. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to predict the kind of people that would rally around Top Gun or Avatar and for what mm-hmm. reason. Okay. You know, you can think of it. I I can't. Like Avatar has a problem because the characters are performance capture and actors don't want to give up their product, which is their face. So they might not vote for that. Um, That's
1: a really, really kind of old farty way of looking at uh, at tech- technology and what it's doing. I mean, they they really, from what I understand, um, this is um, you know, this they're they're taking the. The, the, the souls and the voices and the talent of people like, say, Sigourney Weaver and Kate Winslet—they're not obscuring them. I mean, I know that 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 feeling amongst the SAG members that it's not good to have too much of this because it's going to hurt us in the long run, and it'll be an animated world. And I—we uh, all understand what that what they're afraid of. But uh, my understanding is that the sophistication of what Jim Cameron has done here and what he did in 09 is, um, you know, it, it needs the the live, rich talent of the of the performers to to make it work. It doesn't work as a technological thing alone.
0: Uh, well, um, yeah. the uh, the only other thing that might happen in Avatar because they're not going to look at Top Gun and say you know that their their lies are our only hope for the future mm-hmm. you know that's what a lot of people think like cuz i i think top gun is you know it's it's a fairly simple minded movie but it's 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 an uplifting fun movie to watch it's not like mm-hmm. it's you know citizen kane or anything but um but avatar these these actors you know they might be into this idea of the climate like the leonardo dicaprios and the you know, mm-hmm. they might they might be into the idea that it's it's a very pro-oceans, pro-climate, and maybe they can rally around that as a movement. Right.
1: Can I ask you about the uh, you I didn't you know, you're you are much more of a tick-tock uh, uh, person than I am. But you said that you have not noticed so much interest and, and fanatical excitement uh, in anything since the uh, Johnny Depp trial. Um, and since, um, uh, but white, Ho- white Lotus has kind of become the new thing, yeah, and at least uh, and about the, uh, you know, the forthcoming finale on Sunday. And I just want to say one quick thing. And that's one that, that I, everybody's wondering who's going to be the, the victim. Who's going to, uh, who's going to die. And I, there's one thing I've gotten from season two of white Lotus in Sicily, which is I have never detected the scent, the hint of serious malice on the part of anybody. I've felt anger that people feel, you know, or frustration, or, you know, like poor poor F Murray Abraham and his being a eighty something guy who's probably never gonna have sex again. He's kind of lamenting his life, or Jennifer Coolidge and her overweight and the way she would love to have a real marriage again. And she wants to be happy, you know, even though she's wealthy, she's not happy. You know, there's all these things that are kind of directed inward, but I don't feel uh death around the corner anywhere from this, from this thing. And, and yet where it's going to end with someone get, buying it. And apparently uh, I just don't understand yeah. why that would be. The um, we there.
0: were, we were talking this morning about that. We were talking about how mm. uh the, you know i i saw it, i saw it start to go really viral on tiktok like to completely overtaking the app and then i saw the ratings start to rise and i thought okay well that's the tiktok effect that's pretty amazing that they could they could really have that and the reason that they like this the uh, these younger people is that they're just not used to this kind of storytelling anymore um they're so you know everything's become so safe and so worried about everything and you know the stories telling is just not daring that much in their world so for this to drop on them is like is like the johnny depp trial because they can you know they have characters they can judge they have scenarios they can work out they have things they can guess about and, and they're just diving into it like this painting means that and that they put that ashtray in that corner that means that and this person <laughs> stood up there and that you know it's fascinating. You know, I the, love it.
1: Mike, Mike, uh, the, the creator of this, I don't think he's um, Zeus. You know, he's not a god. No, he's I know, but it's
0: just cute to watch people. I, I like watching people be involved. You know, it's the only kind of sense of having a water cooler event that I get anymore is on TikTok when something happens and, and people are into mm-hmm. it. So it makes me more into White Lotus that they're so into it. It's fun. However, mm-hmm. I will say this about him is that he... Uh, the first white Lotus, the death in that is not a deliberate, it's accidental. So that's what he is. He's about absurdism. So the people who die, they're not going to be, I don't think die. They're not going to die because of malice. They'll die because of happenstance. Oh,
1: no, I, that's, that's something that's a good point. But if it were an accidental thing, it would almost certainly just involve one person, but yeah. the, it is said by the, uh, by the male concierge at the film that after the body has been found floating in the water, uh, um by by Theo James's uh, uh wife, what's her name again? Um, um Megan yeah. Fahey. She's the character who, who finds it. Um, they it is mentioned that other people have also died. So there's yeah. a plural involved here. Right. That seems extreme given what well, you know
0: Well we know there's a gun, right? And we know that if there's a gun and, it's got to be used. So someone's getting shot. Um, and I remember
1: seeing a gun also, but can you remind me where we saw it? Because I don't recall. The gun
0: is the guy who was brought in to give Jennifer Coolidge all that cocaine and then have sex with her.
1: Oh, he has a gun, right? Because he's yeah. the drug dealer and he has to protect himself. And they
0: mentioned mafia. So there's some mafia maybe. Yeah. I, I could see a scenario where mm. Portia tries to jump in front of Jennifer Coolidge to protect her and gets shot. Like, I could see something like that happening, some sort of twist of fate that kills somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, a Lifetime movie or anything where someone's going to strangle somebody. But I don't know. I mean, I'm just depressed that it's ending. That's all.
1: (laughs) Because (laughs) it's so good. And as we also said before, (sighs) it seems to me that with someone meeting their doom next uh, on Sunday, the final episode, number seven. But it seems uh, unfortunate that that he hasn't written it so that the the, the big thing happens. But all good stories, all good films need a kind of wind down, uh, a a, a denouement, you know, uh, where people kind of reflect upon what has happened and where they're going now and where what's going to be next, you know, what it feels like to a had this happen, that kind of stuff, which mm-hmm. is, you, know, you need a kind of a wind down, but it seems like all they're going to be able to do is show the shocking ending and that's it.
0: Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, <clears throat> if I had my choice, it would be three hours long for the finale. <laughs> so um, I, it's, you know, I don't think he expected this particular white Lotus to be as, cause the first one was pretty much ignored. Everybody got all mad because he dared to have a black character who tried with good intentions to fix colonialism, but then just ended up sending another black character to jail? Um, they didn't I was like mad that. in
1: particular because of the um, uh, somebody shitting inside a um, yes, you know, somebody's <laughs> uh, suitcase, which I thought was ridiculous. <laughs> and I, being a straight guy, I don't want to uh, see a a, a, a mini series in which another guy gives another guy um, analingus. I don't want to <laughs> see that. I don't want you reflect upon that. I'm sorry. <laughs> You can call me anything you want, but I don't uh, want to see that. No,
0: I think it did. I think a lot of people uh, are turned off by that. But uh, Mike White himself has said that he likes to make, he wants to bring gay, you know, make gay sex transgressive again and not all this, you know. Because it's true Which that, I'm, like, there's this weird sort of thing that goes along with with putting gay and trans characters in movies and TV. They, they all have this blissed out, like, I'm in a cult. And everybody's so happy all the time.
1: And everything's so
0: good all the time, and aren't we great? Yes, because we've solved all of the problems,
1: mm. but it's
0: like it's just odd, <laughs> so he makes them more like real characters, you
1: know you know the transgressive thing is mentioned also in Bros, you may recall, which uh flamed out uh few, several weeks ago uh one of the characters i, I think the uh um, says you know it gay sex was more fun when it was when it was making straight people uncomfortable,
0: yeah exactly exactly yeah. and then but but the you know so I understand that everybody wants everything to be normalized and for everybody to and that's only a fun this is the last thing we'll say because it's been an hour and so it's almost time to go but um I feel like that's sort of an adaptation of of a of a civilization starting to migrate online because online the uh power dynamics are just plain old different, and everybody wants everything to be equal.
1: By the way, um, let's just do really, really quickly, and we'll and we'll end. Uh, here are the gold derby faves for Best Picture. Now, saying it's kind of a weak year, but I think you have to acknowledge at this stage that Fableman's is really feeling kind of weak. It's still at the top of all these lists because they don't know what else to put up there. But I think that the fact that it hasn't connected with audiences, it certainly hasn't connected with uh, with um, millennials and and, and Zoomers. And it's probably not it's not like connecting in general and i I think it has to be acknowledged that that has happened
0: well it's and it's I, part of the great you know the great sucking under of of movies that David Poland pretends isn't existing mm-hmm. that it it is they're i'm sorry but Hollywood has a branding problem people yeah. are you know like people don't want to get get all out. There, spend forty bucks, sit down, mm-hmm. maybe get COVID. What hurt Fablemans is obviously the box office hurt it, mm-hmm. and it hurt the Banshees too. Both of those movies, um, and Tar. None of these movies made money, and um, and so if they're on streaming, it doesn't. And they're on Netflix, it doesn't make a difference. But if they like Glass Onion, got the reverse boost because it made money, right?
1: Do you think that Banshees of Nishirin's uh, um, box office, weak box office, do you think that Carrie Condon, who is my personal choice for best supporting actress, does she still have her, you know, her mojo going? Is I,
0: I mean, we'll have to see. I think, I, I mean, my own impression of that is that these acting, they're going prior, to prioritize uh you know, people of color, I imagine, in some of these categories. So I don't know how that's going to play out. But um, but I, I think that um, maybe, I mean, I you just have to watch and see how it goes because the awards race, they don't even start voting for another month. So all these movies. Well, what about your
1: own feelings? Don't you feel that she was really wonderful in that film, and that she had, she was the person that you really felt the closest to? And well, was, you know,
0: I, it, that is one of my favorite films of the year, as you know. Um, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, she's fantastic. They're all great. Brendan Gleeson is great. Colin Farrell is great. Everybody's great, you know. And I, um, I'm just waiting to see how these things play out, where the momentum goes. And we won't know that for a while. We have to, you have to watch as each like tar just got left off the National Board of Review. So it's mm-hmm. dinged a little bit. Yeah. So tomorrow's AFI, they released 10 movies. We'll see. It's probably going to be on that. But you know, it's just, it's it's ebb and flow. Like they show up here, they show up there. As last year proved, the one thing you don't want to be is the front runner. You don't want to be the power of the dog. Yeah. Heading into the race because they're, right. they're not going to win.
1: Mm hmm so what do you think of um i mean why do they keep putting people like susan king and ann thompson why do they keep putting the woman king on, on their list they must know these are not personal preferences these are, these are predictive why do they keep putting the woman king there well, well i think it has happened. a good
0: chance too i mean yeah it does because of of who's connected to that movie whoopi goldberg um and the, the publicist is really good, Leah Yardum and, uh, and it's, you know, it's Viola Davis. It's an all-female cast. It's actually, you know, I, I mean, I could see it getting in. You only need like 100 or so people to say it's the number one movie of the year for it to win, get a spot in the nominations.
1: And the narrative that that country, in uh, that, that nation in Africa was, was very, very seriously profiting from the slave trade. Back in the 1700s, 1800s.
0: Yeah, I thought it that that would be. I thought that it's was be like a problem when I sat down to watch it because I mm-hmm. was thinking they're never going to pick this movie because it's so blatantly historically inaccurate. But when mm-hmm. I watched it, it's so it's so sort of fantasy based. It's more like I think a it would make a great animated movie or it's more like. um Black Panther, Wakanda forever. So I don't think people are going to look at it for historical accuracy. It's much more focused on the relationship between Viola Davis and her, her daughter. Okay. It's not so focused on the history of it. Um, But I think what's jazzing people it's is based the,
1: upon history, but it's not focused on it. It's not right
0: focused it. on it to where, you know, it, it, I think it it was intrusive in the plot, but I also think that the people are jazzed about this idea of a woman directed woman, written, you know, starring women, that's all. Nothing gonna, to
1: do with the movie, just the symbolical symbolism, and which is why the people laughingly still have you know Wakanda forever is a made possible. That's yeah. again ridiculous, but the, it doesn't stop them.
0: It's the combination of you know I I don't know how that's going to go. Like those two movies could totally cancel each other out because they're so similar in that they're both you know actiony fantasy, Af-
1: African nations, strong women, yeah. costumes and charge,
0: are right. similar, and you know it's it's. It's kind of a thing. Like if there was just one or the other, it would have a better shot. So hmm. I guess we'll see how that goes. I'm sick of listening to myself talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it All was right. fun talking with you, and uh, and we'll see how this goes. Maybe people will hate it. Maybe they'll love it. But at least we know that if they want to scream at us, they have to pay.
1: Right, well, but not, not, not this, this time. time. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I, I just wanted to also say that this weekend – we haven't mentioned this, but this weekend, finally, after hiding, I mean, I've literally, uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say this openly. I've, I'm, I have a certain, uh, uh, polite and and, and, and um, uh, you know, mutual affection relationship with with, um, um, with the director of the whale, um, and I've um, been saying to him, I said to him a couple of times, I'd really like to see this. And they won't. They I can't. I, I'm getting invitations from just about everybody. I couldn't get a single invitation. And they because you know I guess they think that I'm gonna you know can't see past the obesity factor. But, uh, uh, <laughs> well, but that's what it's about, isn't can't it?
0: See it past the obesity. That's that movie. The guy is like five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred. Yeah, no, he's huge. About. It. I- I had no idea that movie would affect me emotionally as much as it did. I didn't think it would. I had heard that it was bad and everything, but I was like sobbing by the end of it. I couldn't believe that uh, that it it got me the way that it did. I just some something about it. There was something about his performance and the way the story goes. It's just it caught me by surprise. So I I think I hope that you do see it and you got to get past. Well, first it. Of course,
1: I'm going to see it. It's I but I have to suffer through it uh in in a theater and it's but like see, you know he, he, he you understands that. that he's disgusting you know like that's the sad part about he it. he understands it we understand it and we have to go see it
0: and everybody understands well it's just it's so heartbreaking that this guy is just you know he's such a he, he sees himself as such a failure such a nothing such a grease stain on humanity and but he has his daughter and uh
1: sees himself, see himself because he can't get past the grief of having lost his boyfriend. That's the essence of why he's become. I mean, I
0: guess it's that, in, right? it's also just in general, life failures you know, just everything. Just he's one of these people that just there's no hope. I have no hope. And, um, but him reaching out to his daughter at the end is just that's the part that gets you. It's like, oh man, that's rough. That is. I don't think I've ever seen a sadder movie. (laughs) So you know, I I thought I would hate it, but I came out of it a fan because of how it affected me emotionally. I just have to be honest about that.
1: Okay, I'm probably going to see it tonight. Um, But I'm um, uh, you've told me that it begins with a sequence (laughs) in which in which uh, the lead actor Brendan Fraser. Is uh, is masturbating, and as soon as you said that, I my spanking the monkey. I I, I collapsed when you told me that that I have to watch that as an opener. Uh, But I do. Yeah, it makes you feel.
0: It makes you a lot like a lot of movies this year. It makes you feel a little bit sick. It does, but um, but I think that's the whole point. And I like the fact that Darren Aronofsky did not pull any punches there. You know, I'm I'm appreciative of that kind of filmmaking more than I am this other kind.
1: You well, know? pulling punches means that it was kind of set in stone, or was written in the play, and he's trying to. Are you saying that you believe? Well, that he's not trying it,
0: to put it this way. He's not trying to clean that scene up at all. <laughs> like, okay, it's as gross as you would imagine. A guy like that sitting there whacking mm. off to gay porn <laughs> in his private. Oh my god. Like, <laughs> As bad as you can imagine it, that's what he puts on screen.
1: <laughs> Great. Okay, can't wait. Uh, you know.
0: But the ending got to me, you know, it really did. Right. I don't know why, but just, just crushed me. Sorry, you can't say that. The whale crushed me. You can't say that. But it did.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I can't wait. Thank you. And I'm... Uh...
0: Alrighty. Well, enjoy your evening.
1: Okay. You too. Take care. All right. Bye.